0: Perfect. Welcome back.
1: I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a VCU game day. The Rams host St. Bonaventure at the Seagull Center for a 9 p.m. tip off pregame show starting at 8 15 right here on 9 10 The Fan. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is the color analyst for VCU basketball, Rodney Ashby. What's going on, Rodney?
2: What's up, Awad? How are you, man? So good to talk to you. Exciting day, the opening day of uh, A-10 basketball. Absolutely. I'm going to do a little flashback for you here.
1: Uh, Last night on the new episode of the Black and Gold Fan Pod for This Week in VCU History, uh, Connor brought up a game, I believe it was VCU against Drexel, and uh, you were on the call with Greg Burton, and the head coach for the opposing team completely lost his mind. Is that game coming to mind to you at all?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Bruiser Flint was one of the best in the business and uh, always kept things spicy on the sidelines, and uh, that was definitely a night that, you know, he, he was more passionate than other nights.
1: That's awesome, man. So it was fun hearing you on the call for that for television. But here you'll be back on the radio airwaves tonight alongside Robbie Robinson. What are your keys to victory for the Rams, Rodney?
2: You know, they've got some guards that can really go. They have two guards that average double figures, and they've got to be. A, we've got to be able to not let them get downhill. We're going to have to stop dribble penetration from the guards from the initial position. So if it can't be off rotations, we're going to have to have some rotations from time to time to stop them. But we've got to do primary defense to stop these guards. Don't let them get downhill because that causes rotations for their bigs that can that can finish around the basket.
1: Yeah, another thing that I pointed to was. Stopping Chad Venning, uh, he was uh, the big man for the Bonnies. He was very clutch against the Rams last year. And so one of my keys is for Furman and Lawall to combine outscore Chad Venning.
2: Yeah, I think we're doing a good job defensively in the post right now. You know, with that, you know, basically post play by committee with Lawal and, and Furman. And we've done a good job of um, you know, not giving a big window for the guards to get it in there. Where we've struggled is to pen- stop stopping dribble penetration. Mm-hmm. You stop, and if you stop dribble penetration, we can't dump off this inning where he was finishing around the basket. That's really going to be the key to tonight's defense of guarding the big. It's been so much fun to watch the Rams since they've
1: gotten their full complement of student athletes getting Joe Bamisil back and then Sean Berstow and Rodney I've been I've been calling him the magic johnson of this VCU Rams team because he is like a point forward and I love the way he dribbles the ball up the court pushes the pace and he keeps the ball hot
2: you know, I love that adding him to the team has definitely made him and everybody else and our team better. Yeah. You know, he's a guy – we've got basically whoever rebounds the ball can bring it up. It doesn't matter if it's Kwani, <laughs> Kwani. The only position we don't let bring the ball up is our five. Everybody else can bring it up, and he's a great rebounder. Sean averaging 16.7 points a game since his return from that broken Jones fracture and surgery. It's glad that it's awesome to have him back in the lineup, and he is making VCU and everybody else on his team better.
1: With the new additions to the lineup, you've seen Zeb Jackson uh, play less minutes. How do you think Zeb has played, and and what are some things that he can do to make sure when he's playing less minutes, he's playing more efficient offensively?
2: Look, right now everybody's still trying to figure out their role a little bit, but Zeb leads the team in assists at almost five assists a game. So he's a kid that has to change his role a little bit. We needed him to score a little bit more to create spacing for our offense early on in the season before we got – Joe Bamiselle, and Sean Baristo back. But now that we have those guys back, we've got to make sure that he plays a little bit different role. He's going to be a solid defensive player. He can play a big active role in stopping that dribble penetration that we were talking about earlier. But he's also a guy that can get it done and get people in, in scoring positions where they can be successful, and that's going to be his role right now. There's going to be times where he can get to the basket and finish. You can see how good of a finisher he is once he gets to the basket. But overall right now, we need him to be a playmaker and a defender.
1: Late game at the Siegel Center tonight, 9 p.m. tip-off. Take a nap if you need to after work
2: so you can stay up late, watch the Man, game, I, or head to the Siegel Center. I don't know anybody's going to be able to take a nap today, a <laughs> I mean, this is opening day of, of A-10 play, and, you know, Mark Schmidt's got a team. You know, he, he struggled a little bit last year with his, you know, getting to know the NIL and the, the transfer portal, but he learned it quick per usual, and, He's a great X and O's guy, and it's going to be a great game tonight.
1: Who do you think is going to be the X factor off the bench for the Rams? And I'm I'm not going to let you choose Joe Bamisil, because I think that's easy.
2: Uh, It is easy, but, I mean, ultimately, I think it's got to be, you know, it's got to be our guard play, because that's the key to the game, stopping general penetration. We're going to need some steady play out of the wall and out of um, Furman tonight. But, really, in Kwani, you know – depending on who starts, whether it's going to be Quani or Michael Bell. But Michael Bell didn't get that many minutes. Had a little bit of a rough game the other night. But he is dude. This is a kid that does everything right, works out like he's a pro. He's going to have some big nights in the black and gold. So if you're not going to let me pick Bama, so I'm going to go Michael Bell.
1: I like that pick. Rodney Ashby with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow Rodney on social media, Rashby, R-A-S-H. R-A-S-H-B-Y. Uh, Rodney, it's going to be a fun one tonight. Uh, let me ask you this, though. In your time playing on the Rams, playing at VCU, just how important is it to start conference play off of the win?
2: You know, you've got to protect the home court. And we're starting out with two home games before we go up to George Mason. You've got to protect your home court in order to finish in the top four in the A-10. And so that's why it's so important. Every single home game is important. We've got a little bit of a win streak going right now. Let's continue it with our first win in the league and get this thing started off right.
1: Rodney, you know what I've really enjoyed this season is the Rams have been excellent at the free-throw line.
2: Don't jinx us, man. Yeah, no, we're shooting. <laughs> you know, the, the crazy thing about that is um, as good as we're shooting, there's nine teams as good as us in the league Yeah, shooting from the free-throw line. It's just absolutely nuts. It's all been improved. and. You know, we had said that the COVID year was a kind of an anomaly year, that we shot a lot better from the free throw line than other years. And, um, you know, Robbie and I debate back and forth. He thinks it's because there was nobody in the gym and a little less pressure. Um, I think it's because they had a little bit more time to work out. They couldn't go out and, um, you know, be out socially as much as they could because of COVID. But ultimately this year, I mean, we've kind of retooled our team, right? You know, it's a different type of skill set that we have out there this year. A little bit more skilled players. You know, we have some athleticism, but not quite the athleticism that we've had in years past. But, you know, we've got enough to be successful, but we have some skilled players out there and I'm I'm gonna attribute it to that.
1: A ten play is finally here and it begins tonight for the Rams against St. Bonaventure. We mentioned new episode of the Black and Gold fan podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify. And we went around the room, Rodney, and I'll ask you the same question. I need you to go on record. How many bids will the A 10 receive this season?
2: You know, I think we're going to – two and a half is where where I put the (laughs) over-under. I think think we got a chance to get three. Okay. Um, I think we definitely get two in. You know, what we got to prevent is have the bottom half of the league not beat up the league, um, the top half of the league. And how we do our scheduling with the top half of the league playing each other more, um, that helps our net scores. So we've got to take care of business when we're playing a team in the bottom half of the league, which is probably the toughest challenge that we've ever had in the A-10. There are no gimmies this year. There are absolutely – you cannot go down your schedule right here and say, okay, that's going to be a guaranteed win. So we've got to take care of when we're playing the bottom half of the league. We've got to take care of when we're at home. And we've got to steal a few road games.
1: Good stuff, man. I'll see you tonight. Go Rams.
2: All right, see you soon.
1: Thanks, bud. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Don't go anywhere. We drive down Richmond Highway with the czar, Gary Hess, on the fan. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. It's been a few weeks, but here we are on the first Wednesday of 2024, January 3rd. And it's two fifteen, which means it's time to drive down Richmond Highway with the Czar Gary Hess.
0: Hey, man! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! New Year, new you or same you? Yeah, yeah, same me. For same now. you, same me. <laughs> I'm an old man. Change is hard. <laughs> Did you stay up till midnight? Oh, heck, no. When was the last time you stayed up till midnight? Six, seven years ago. Really? I made it to almost 11. Uh-huh. And finally, I was just like, I'm done. I can't. <laughs> Linda rung in the new year with, with my uh, my son, Parker, and, and his girlfriend. Really? So day.
1: this year, I took a huge nap, probably from like 1 to 5. And then I had the energy. I was up till like 2, 3 a.m. I couldn't go to sleep that
0: Well, before. I was up at 3 a.m. too, but uh, <laughs> I'd been asleep for several hours. So. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, you know, we we, we stay home. I, I can the last time we had people over, everybody left at ten.
1: No oh, no. See, I, I hate that. If you commit to going out, you have to see the ball drop.
0: No, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah,
1: you do one day you'll be my age and you do know, you'll realize you don't
0: have to commit to anything.
1: <laughs> That's a good point. All right, let's get in the car and drive.
3: How are the roads looking? time for a drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess, sports director and the voice of high school football in Richmond, Virginia.
0: I understand there's traffic. You need to plan for that.
3: Let's drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess on AWOD Radio. Gary,
1: let's put a nice bow on the high school football season. How would you recap it?
0: You know, it's 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 always sad that one local team, one of the public school teams, didn't win a state championship. First time that's happened since I believe 2011. So, um, and it's certainly, um, and it's the first losing state championship game. Coach Chris and I have broadcasted since 2010. The Highland Springs uh, lost to Freedom. And, uh, so it was, you know, it's sad that we didn't want to stay title, but it was another great year for eight Oh four football Benedictine won a state championship in the private school league and, uh, the all Metro team has come out. So we got the all Metro banquet February 12th and that will kind of wrap it all up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a really good season. Um, it was fun watching, uh, you know, Christian Martin and, uh, Harry Dalton kind of follow up their co All Metro player of the year seasons. And uh, now we know Harry Dalton's got one more year. So uh, Christian Martin's off to Maryland. So
1: absolutely. So let's move from high school to the college ranks here. And man, th- those were some good bowl games. And uh, I-, I loved the two games on January first. I-, I mean, I-, I really did think like. A lot of people were upset with the committee. I personally wasn't because I I knew that we were going to get two good games because Alabama had people chirping, you shouldn't be here. I knew they were
0: going to take it to Michigan. And I thought Texas-Washington looked like a great matchup. I thought Texas-Washington was going to be a great game. If you remember, I was one of those people that was outraged that Florida State was not in the playoff. But when I said that, I said, I think I'm outraged. Florida State got screwed but on New Year's Day, I'm going to be glad it's Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I was. I mean, I was looking forward to Alabama-Michigan. And I think um, I think we saw what this Michigan team is made of. I really do. They're, they're complete. Uh, and then I knew the uh, Washington-Texas game was going to be a shootout. And it will surprise you none to know that I did not make it to the end of that game. <laughs> but I recorded it and watched it uh, yesterday afternoon to kind of finish it up. Just because I kind of wanted to see how the theater would, un- would unfold, and you know it came down to the final play, and Texas had a legitimate chance. But I will tell you, Michael Penix, there's just something about him. He's just got that it factor uh, to get the job done for his team. And yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that stacks up against Michigan. I mean,
1: have we ever had it before where both the semifinal games come down to the final play? Because it really was like that with the overtime game, uh, Michigan-Alabama. I want to walk through that final play with you, spoke to a few few people in the building who are not happy with the play call by Nick Saban every time i watch that replay i feel like man if they had just executed it would have been a touchdown
0: it, that is the whole thing you have to understand there wasn't you know he you know it wasn't a it was the the blocking was slotted to where you know, on paper it would have opened a hole just to the left And the problem is the D-line from Michigan just blew it up. You can't even tell what the play was designed to do other than there was a quarterback run involved uh, because the Michigan D-line just absolutely destroyed it before it had a chance to unfold. So I'm not going to be overly critical of the play call but uh, the O line of Alabama certainly wasn't up to the task on the play when when all the marbles were on the line.
1: No certainly and JJ McCarthy showed me a lot of marbles in that game. It just felt like anytime Michigan needed a big play, he was there to step up and hit his target in stride. but I thought Blake Coram was the MVP.
0: Blake Coram was amazing. I thought McCarthy was too and I thought their defense without mentioning a name across the board, all three levels their defense excelled and they needed every bit of that. Because, boy, you usually can't make that number of special teams mistakes and still find a way to win a game right, like that.
1: Absolutely. So Michigan will face off against number two Washington after they defeated Texas thirty-seven thirty-one.
0: Bear in mind how is Dylan Johnson? That's going to be a very important storyline going into next Monday in Houston. And um, you know, uh, Michigan's probably glad they're not playing Texas for the number of fans that would show be. That would certainly be you know who knows how big that crowd would be for in terms of tilting toward Texas now both fan bases will have to travel i think it'll be a 50-50 split probably a lot of michigan fans there is, uh for that game but it's going to be fun i'm going to have to try to take a long nap so i can stay up at least till halftime on yeah. monday
1: i'm i'm interested to see how michael penix will do against michigan's defense i mean against texas 430 yards two touchdowns and it he was keeping plays
0: alive, and his throwing motion is so quick. He he is. He gets rid of it quick. He's very decisive with the ball. He's great at moving the pocket when he needs to, and he keeps his eyes down the field when he's running. And um, is it O'Dunzie? Is that how you say it? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, the the he is a legitimate stud. And, you know, there were a couple times where he was well covered and, you know, Penix put it right in the little, small, little window where it had to be. And, uh, you know, he knows how to close and finish. But I will say, you know, Alabama has some playmakers, too, and there weren't a lot of open receivers running around. That Michigan secondary really locked things down. So, you know, the Michigan secondary and the Michigan pass rush against Michael Penix and those receivers, that's going to be a fascinating matchup to watch in that game. And can the Washington defense do anything to stop Blake Corman company. Yeah. and this year we will have an undefeated college football champion, both teams 14-0.
1: and Personally, I think Michigan's been the best team all season long, just complimentary football, offense, defense. Sometimes it makes special teams mistakes, but hopefully it uh, doesn't haunt them Monday. I did hear that after so many people complained last year, kickoff was like 8.40. They've moved it up. It should be around 8 p.m. this year.
0: Okay, then I have a good chance of making it to the end of the first quarter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's go around the ACC real quick and talk some college hoops. What have you noticed?
0: Well, the first thing, I want to give a shout-out to uh, our local kid, Armando Baycott, the star uh, big man at North Carolina. Last night, 16-10 and against the Cuse. And, um, no, not against the Cuse, against Pittsburgh. And uh, 2,000 career points. To get to the 2,000 career point milestone is significant for Indy. Any college player, and Armando Baycott's put together a great career. Uh, he's a great Tar Heel, and uh, congratulations to him. Trinity Episcopal High School product, uh, getting the job done with that milestone. And I think the next couple of weeks in the ACC are going to be very interesting as the feeling out process begins of conference play. You know, most teams have played two conference games. Uh, you know, some have played their third. Uh, you know. Virginia Tech, I still believe has still only played one. No, they're one and one. Now. They're, they're they one and one. Forest, they right. lost a wake. That's right. So they they play again on Saturday, I believe. So that'll be their third game. UVA's third game is tonight. Yeah. And um, you know, I think there's a uh, the two state teams. I think there's a lot of questions surrounding both of those teams about what they are, who they are. So what would you say is the question for UVA? For me, it's can they get enough production down low? I think they got to get something down low. Because the three-point shooting is not going to be there every night. I mean, that's just a fact. And, you know, a guy like... the... And then the other thing is, can Reese Beekman be the guy who's going to put the who's on his back? Because he's the guy who can shoot a three, but he can also go to the hoop. He can create his own shot. Can he be the guy that can put up, you know, go from where he's at to 20 points a night, plus, you know, seven or eight rebounds, plus five or six assists, and get into that ACC player of the year conversation because that's what they're going to need from him because the other three-point shooters are not consistent. They haven't shown the ability to get an inside presence. And, you know, Coach Tony Bennett has always been able to push the buttons to get the fixes, but Saturday in South Bend was ugly. And uh, what they look like tonight... At home against Louisville, and what they look like on the road in Raleigh this weekend are, are going to is going to be very very interesting to see what how UVA looks uh, over and above wins and losses, just how they look, how they execute.
1: I'm wondering what you think the biggest question is for the nine and four Hokies, one and one in conference play. For me, what stands out to me against Wake Forest was the turnovers. Nineteen turnovers for the team. All five of the starters had at least one turnover. Padula had six, and he's very ball dominant. I know they can score and they can shoot the three point shot. But they can't turn the
0: ball over. Like that. I agree with you 100% on that. And, and, you know, you talk about Padula and Couture. That's veteran guards you would expect, while they can shoot the lights out, that ball security would be something they would understand and embrace. And I'm not saying they don't embrace it, but, you know, they've got to take better care of the basketball while still uh, providing that level of shooting. And then, you know, Lynn Kidd has been very good inside. I think they need to get him a little help yeah. uh, on the inside. I'm not sure he's the guy you know you certainly know armando baycott who can be the force night in and night out you know one more guy to kind of jump in and and really uh, be a, a consistent steady performer uh for the Hokies is going to be very important as well but I agree with you 100 the turnovers is the first thing that jumped out in that wake forest game
1: yeah maybe it's Robbie Barron off the bench he, I know he can score the ball Uh, Could be another scorer for the Hokies. That was a drive down Richmond Highway with the czar Gary Hess. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year, my man. It's fun to be back. And uh, uh, we're, you know, we kind of transition, talk about something a little different. Uh, Also, keeping an eye on those undefeated JMU Dukes. How about that? Right. Yeah, so uh, uh, believe they are uh, in uh, tomorrow night in Lafayette, Louisiana, to play the Ragin' Cajuns. Yeah, I mean it's just
1: unbelievable that athletic department is on fire.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they've they've had a pretty good academic year.
1: Yeah, that's Gary Hess. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the Fan.
3: Let's drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess on AWOD Radio.
1: Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The fan now at 105, 1FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball, Virginia Tech football, UVA. Who's talking every Monday? And there was a new episode yesterday at 6 p.m. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from Who's Talking is Frank Maloney. What's going on, Frank? Hey, good to be joining you, Adam. Hope you're doing well. Absolutely, and we wanted to go around ACC hoops here on University Drive.
3: Let's go to University Drive. Scores, rivalries, rankings, all the college football in the state of Virginia. We'll follow the action all season long.
2: College football,
3: baby! University Drive on AWOD Radio. So UVA got a win over
1: Syracuse to begin conference play and then... It was NC Central, Northeastern, and then a bad defeat to Memphis, bounce-back win against Morgan State, and then another bad defeat to Notre Dame. What's the latest with the Hoos, Frank?
4: Well, I think we're going to find out uh, tonight. Um, Clearly, these road games, and I'm going to include Wisconsin and West Virginia down there in Fort Myers in this uh, conversation in that, uh, Virginia just is not getting off to a good start in these road games, and this team does not seem to play well from behind. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a question of can they somehow find their mojo at home and then find a way to take it on the road? And Virginia has one of the strangest schedules in the nation. I don't know if you've looked at, uh, you know, the home and away,
0: mm-hmm. but.
4: You know, Virginia has all these weak games at home, and then it's it's not until February that they finally get to play a weekend ACC home game, which is really strange. I, I don't know what the ACC was doing to Virginia, but it's, it's not. I mean, no coach wants that.
1: Yeah. No, you mentioned UVA. This team doesn't seem to be able to show to be able to come from behind. I mean, that's kind of been a theme of UVA basketball. They're so much better when they can play uh, with a lead, but what I've noticed this year is to me, it feels like opponents are hitting way too many three-point shots, right? Like, Notre Dame 47% from behind the arc. That can't happen.
4: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it, it, listen, uh, if you look at these games that, that they've lost, and, you know, Virginia's 10-3. and Is that like The sky is falling, but they're not playing the way you would expect and not the way they've played in the last 10, 12 years. Uh, To be fair, Virginia rarely, against anybody, has played from behind in very many games. And when they do, they struggle. But this year's team on the road, they've gotten behind early, and then they mope. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a young team. And they've got to learn to play together and all that. But, I mean, I'm looking at, uh, you know, the last the last um, box score, Virginia versus uh, Notre Dame. And, you know, uh, McNeely, 2 of 7 from field goal range. Uh, Andrew Rohde, 2 of 8. Reeve Figman, 5 of 15. Well, there's your three guards, um, you know, clanging away. Ryan Dunn was 6 of 9. He was the lone bright spot. Groves was only two of three in 18 minutes. Leon Bond was 0 for 3 in 19 minutes. Um, you know, Virginia's just, uh, just, they just, they're just not themselves yet when they travel. Now, tonight they're playing a team that they should be able to handle. Louisville is, is struggling. Uh, all this chatter in recent weeks about Uh, Louisville uh, thinking about firing the coach midseason and, you know, backing up a Brinks truck to hire Jay Wright, and that turned out to be just a gigantic rumor, but it was fascinating to hear that two weeks ago. I'm curious to see uh, how Virginia opens the game night. I'm very curious to see the team's hustle factor. Uh, My partner was very upset in the last game, uh, that 12-noon game out in South Bend, and he didn't think the team was awesome. And, you know, Tony Bennett's teams uh, are active, they're aggressive, they go for it. And so when a team doesn't do that, you look around like, who are these guys? Yeah. So, you know, let's, let's be fair, it's early, and I tell people all the time, at the beginning of the season, I said this team would be a lot better in February than late December and early January, but you've got to show me some hustle. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. And, Frank, this is the most important part of conference play is getting off to a good start here in January. From what you've seen so far, who do you think is top of the conference?
4: You know what? I think this year that the conference is, is wide open. You know, I – I don't understand it. It's it's uh, very unusual. I mean, there have been times where Carolina looked very ordinary, and other times they looked good. Uh, Clemson seems to be for real, and they've done this before. They've had these these really good starts, and then they faded. Now I will say this: uh, Clemson does have some big men, and uh, P.J. Hall is a basketball player. Um, they seem to be able to play pretty well on the road. They're 11-1 overall. Miami is a team of mercenaries that, you know, you've you got to tip your hat. Coach Laredega, at, at 85 years old, is still kicking butt. <laughs> um, I'm joking. I, I don't actually know how old he is. He feels like he's 85. <laughs> um, Jim Laredega is a great guy. I've had great interviews with him. Yeah, he's um, 74. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for double-checking me. Um but, uh, you know, he was one of uh, uh, Terry Holland's top assistants back in the heyday and, um, you know, proved his his own uh, skill set when he went to George Mason and got him to the Final Four. I think this Miami team is dangerous. I think you got to watch them carefully. Um, I don't know what to make of White Forest. I saw a game early in the year, and they could not have looked less threatening. And then Somehow, recently, they've won eight in a row. So, what's going on there? NC State, nine and three. They've won a couple in a row. Uh, Casey Morcell is still playing basketball. Uh, I I wish he'd never left Virginia. I always liked his defensive prowess and his uh, skill set on offense. I just think he needed more time in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Georgia Tech, eight and four. I I don't get it. Duke (laughs) is ten and three, but uh, is off to uh, a sluggish start. Um, and in recent weeks, they've gotten they've gotten better. People better look out. Um, you know, but I think Virginia and Duke, they will ultimately get there. It's just gonna take them a little time. Frank, always appreciate you taking the time to go around the ACC. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, the, the, this is an interesting year, and if you're a basketball fan, you ought to try to get out and go see um these games. I mean, whether it's in Charlottesville or wherever, because I do think this is gonna be one of the more interesting seasons uh and it will not be determined until the very end of the season, you know, who's on top of the heap. And I'm talking about regular season and then of course the A C C tournament this year is in D C and I will be there um probably with hobo in studio this year that's awesome and we'll 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 work it like that
1: you can hear who's talking every monday with frank maloney alongside jim hobgood i'm adam epstein you're listening to awod on the fan
2: yeah i mean i just want to play good football man and, and end this year on a good note you know i don't think i've played my best the past few weeks and i just want to make sure i go out there and show on sunday the type of player i really can be in this league
4: How Wolf?
1: How Wolf? <laughs> that was quarterback one, Sam Howell, the starting quarterback for the Commanders, speaking with reporters and Michael Phillips after Ron Rivera announced in his press conference today that Sam Howell will be the starter once again in the Week 18 matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. Just lose, baby, lose. That's all that matters to me. We've got the second overall pick. Cannot screw this up. Joining us right now to break down the breaking news, live from Ashburn, is Michael Phillips. What's up, MP? Yes,
3: sir. Yeah, I think you heard in that clip there. He he doesn't feel like he's played up to his potential the last few weeks and uh, gets one more chance to try this. By the way, uh, Adam, first Commander's quarterback, first Washington quarterback to start every game of the season. Since Kirk Cousins in
1: 2017. Wow, that's unbelievable. And you know, we did have a caller. What was his name? Ed from Richmond. Eddie, I think. Eddie. He wanted uh, Jake Fromm to start uh, because he says Fromm has a hot mom. Uh, we did Google, and we can confirm.
3: <laughs> hey, just for the cutaways, in yeah. the Fox broadcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, is, is that the game plan here? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're gonna lose anyway, so we might as well have our yeah. own
3: version of Taylor Swift. <laughs> it, is that why they had to cut Dax Milne? <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was involved with the uh the um Zach Wilson stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so what else did you learn from Sam Howell speaking with the quarterback?
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, this probably goes without saying, but they really want to get Terry McLaurin to 1000 yards. Hmm. Uh he's 50 54 yards away. Uh he'd be the first receiver in forever here to do it uh 4 years in a row, 4 years at 1000 yards. Um you know, but he was just you know, speaking glowingly of his contributions both on the field and off the field as a leader, which I think everybody knows by now what a good dude Terry is. Um, so 54 yards away from a 1,000, not to suggest that, like, every throw is going to Terry, but uh, if there's a Terry McLaurin more than 54 yards prop, uh, I think these guys want to get it for
1: him. Yeah, no, that sounds good. So, you know, Sam Howell saying obviously he hasn't played his best ball, and I think most of the fan base would agree, and that's why, Part of the fan base has already turned away from Sam Howell and have our eyes on Drake May, Caleb Williams, and uh, maybe Jaden Daniels as well. Can Sam Howell play well enough to put him back into consideration as the starting quarterback, or are we dealing with the same thing as last year? Do the Cowboys really care?
3: What a deja vu moment here, right? Going into Week 18 last year, Sam Howell plays really well against the Dallas Cowboys and earns a job for the next year. No, I, I think because of the draft position, uh, I, I do think that's why it's not on the table this time around. I think he'll be on the team. I really do. I think he'll be on the roster next year. Now, the Drake May wrinkle is a potentially interesting one, right? Because uh, they're both Carolina guys. Um, they, as Sam said, they're really good friends. They text every day, um, and, and he, you know, I think I get the sense it wouldn't be maybe as awkward as it appears from the outside. But uh, I think Sam Hal being QB two on this team next year is probably the one to lock in at this point point.
1: one thing that i thought was really interesting is i've seen a lot more rumors and reports that the commanders could trade jonathan allen has that conversation come up at all in the locker room
3: yeah and the, and the reason for that is his contract's really good right this is the year that john allen should be and, and will be going to management saying all right time to extend me time to bring me up to market value uh and you got two options there one is to do it the other option is you know this is the time you you ship them because Somebody else can get either a year of good value with John Allen or acquire him and extend him, as the Bears did with Montez Sweat. I do think there will be a market for John Allen for sure. Um, One thing to keep in mind here, and don't rule out, if the Bears don't want a quarterback at number one, uh, a little swaperewski with the commanders, right, Uh, going from two to one, uh, keeps the Bears in position to drive the rest of the draft. Uh, A player like John Allen would be the kind of guy who could grease the wheels on something like that. Yeah, we brought
1: that up earlier in the show. I'm completely against it for the fact that I feel like the Bears would just fleece us. I mean, we're going to move up one pick and probably give up a third and a fourth round or something like that. and I, I hate that.
3: You know, it's, that to me is only if this process establishes that there is a clear-cut guy that everybody wants, right? Hey, right now we're talking about three different quarterbacks, and honestly, there's a ton of juice on Michael Penix right now after his great game the other day. Uh, A world where you have four quarterbacks all being talked about is not a world where you need to get to number one. You only need to get to number one if we get to April and you realize, shoot, the whole league once, fill in the blank name guy. That's the only reason you need to do something like that. Yeah,
1: and Michael, that's why I want to double down, go on record. I've already told Stubbs, save this audio. I'm putting my career on the line as a quarterback evaluator (laughs) that Caleb Williams is the guy. He's the man. He'll be a pro bowler within five years.
3: Well, isn't that a reason to move to number one then?
1: Oh, it is. But um, you know, how much are you going to give up? I, I I think you got to hope and pray that Chicago just takes Marvin Harrison Jr. I I don't know. I mean, maybe you could work out a deal. But uh, Michael, I I love Caleb Williams, but I don't want to get into this, um, you know, habit here of moving up and losing all the draft picks. Like you just traded with the Bears earlier this year. They're going to ask for that third round pick back, right?
3: Yeah, you know, on the Caleb Williams thing, uh, we'll go deeper on this, obviously, in in February and March. I'm scared of hometown guys. We've we've (laughs) been burned on this before. Like, I I feel like 31 teams drafting Caleb Williams is a good idea, and one team drafting him might be a bad idea, and that stinks. But uh, we just do not have a great track record here.
1: What was it like in Ron Rivera's press conference today? Because I'm reading through some of the quotes John Keim has tweeted, and it's just driving me crazy. It's a bunch of excuses like, oh, if we had a quarterback here, you know, Gruden would have still been here. I I would still be here. Yeah, Ron, you had a chance to draft a quarterback. You could have had Tua or Justin Herbert, and you went with Chase Young.
3: And Carson Wentz and his guy, Carson Wentz is going to start for the uh, the Rams this weekend. Uh, How about that for a little uh, Week 18 juice? Got a little well, Carson Wentz start out in L. A. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, had many opportunities to take a swing. At it didn't get it done. Um, he ha- has really kind of put up the wall, um, both you know internally and externally. Uh, Ron has not addressed his future with the players at all. Says he's not going to do that until after Sunday's game. Just wants the full focus to remain on playing a football game Sunday. He doesn't want this week to be some kind of long swan song, farewell t- type of thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's where you get those awkward quotes, right, where we're trying to ask about the things people care about, which is, you know, the big picture stuff, and, and he's trying to say, well, let's play a football game on Sunday, and, and we're kind of saying, do we have to, really?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a weird situation. We're rooting For a defeat to our arch rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. Michael Phillips with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can catch MP on the mic weekdays from 10 to noon. And also check out his work covering the Commanders for the Washington Times. Ron Rivera said, quote, Sam Howell. He went out and did the things we were hoping he would do. Speaking of his performance last week... Did he really do that? I mean, yeah, he was decent for our first half. Is 10 points and two interceptions doing what we were hoping
3: he would do? Not, not for me, uh, but I, I will say he did the thing I hope he will do on Sunday, which is lose the football game. <laughs> so If you want to just flip it that direction, he's, he's certainly shown an ability to do that. I'm, I'm honest, I'd be a little scared if Jacoby Brissett came out there. Like I've, I've seen a little too, too much Jacoby Brissett to be comfortable with what, what that might turn into on Sunday. Uh, Ron was asked uh, if Jacoby will be the backup quarterback. He said he'll see how he's feeling later this week. I, I would love for Jake Fromm to get that run. Uh, you know, like, look, Ron's in a corner, right? What's he supposed to say? Like, remember how I told you guys for a year that I had found the future quarterback? <laughs> Turns out I was really wrong. Like, right. Right, he just got to double down on it at this point, and he did. I, you know, towards the end, he'd say, look, I still think Sam will be successful in this league. I don't know if you will or not. What do, you, what do you think the guy's supposed to say, right? Like, yeah. you know, that'd be a pretty deflating uh, last week to be like, everything I'd ever believed in is garbage. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Everybody go home now.
1: Yeah. Well, it's been a pretty deflating season for the Commanders. That's Michael Phillips. Been a pretty deflating four years. Yeah. Catch MP on the mic from ten to noon. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington DC.